0: And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to be talking about the oh-so-uplifting but very important topic of death. But first, let's check in about how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? My
1: high is that I we we met with our parenting coaches this morning, and we just had this interaction that was really heartwarming. The man who is the parenting coach, like they were kind of going back over for some reason. We're not meeting with them again in 2022. So they're going back over sort of the progress since we've been working with them about six months now. And the man started crying. Like they were talking about how they were talking about us at, at breakfast this morning and like how he was just so grateful that Sydney landed in a family where the parents were willing to do so much work and willing to really adjust their environment and consider their kid as good and like fight for her. And it was just this really, it's not very, I mean, it felt super uncomfortable, like really good in a very healing way because they're, they were just caring for us so deeply. And I could tell Nathan felt like super awkward. And then I started crying and we had this like whole moment earlier today that was just very heartwarming. And so I'm very grateful for the people in our lives that have supported us as we've been working to learn how to better support our kids And that was just like a really beautiful moment that brought that together.
0: I have this like joy bursting out of my face that listeners cannot see because I'm just, I just love that on so many dimensions. I just love that you found someone, you found people who are so helpful and that you're having such a positive experience. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's really good.
1: And then I don't really have a low, just a second high, is that the kids were out of school all week last week for Thanksgiving. And we I was home Thursday, Friday, and then the weekend. And so I just feel like we had a really calm and peaceful break in time together that was just really nourishing and enjoyable, which I I just don't take those kinds of, especially like more extended periods of time together, for granted at all because there has been so much challenge and when things feel like they're going really well for like multiple days I like have kind of a hard time relaxing into it but I feel super grateful for it so that's my second high
0: that is so great to hear and yeah I was just gonna say if you go back and look at our archives like every time you come back from a break you're usually like it was really hard so this is awesome to see a, a shift I hope it keeps up after the longer winter break too We'll see the India trip. What are your highs and lows right now, Sarah? We've settled into the hinterlands of Australia, and I am just loving life so much. Like, our children are both enrolled in full-time school for the next three weeks, which is something that has not happened for the past 180 days. And it's a progressive school, so I feel good about where they are spending their time And they are just honestly like happier people when they have more social interaction outside of our family. And we've gotten into a much better place. It was harder in the beginning of the trip, but we've gotten into a better place as a 24-7 family. But our most optimal setup really is when the boys go to a good school. Like it just makes all of us appreciate each other that much more when we're back together. And as long as I'm spending an hour with them in the morning before they... Matt and I are both spending that time with them before they leave. And then I'm able to stop work when they get home from school around 3.30, then it still feels like we have enough quality time together.
1: That's awesome. I'm so glad that you found that school and they let you enroll for three weeks. That's incredible.
0: I'm so relieved. And my low is, you know, I just really had to dig deep to try to find a low but I guess I would just say that it's I've been having a hard time prioritizing my health during the past couple weeks of fast travel up the Australian coast and when I think about my health I'm thinking about trying to walk for at least an hour five times a week and trying to go lap swimming three times a week and stretching for 5 minutes at least 5 times a week and using food to fuel my body and not fulfill emotional needs. So those are like my core like practices right now that I'm trying to hold close to my heart related to my health. And it's just so much harder when we're doing fast travel. So now that we're settled into the hinterlands for 3 weeks, I feel so much better already. I mean, it's really like day two of the boys going to school, but I've already been doing daily walks and I've already gone lap swimming at a pool that's just 15 minutes away. And I bought a blender so that I can make my daily smoothies. And I've been cooking more from scratch, including I have a, right now I'm in the process of making a pie crust for a quiche. So it feels really good and really exciting. That's awesome. I'm glad you're getting to settle in a little bit. Me too and now let's talk about today's topic while all the other bloggers and podcasters are talking about the holidays and how to have so much fun our topic is facing death so we can truly live and i know it sounds really bizarre to be doing a podcast about death and if i had to guess this will probably be our least listened to episode but The inspiration came from listening to a hospice worker talk about how to have a healthier relationship with death so that it can help us live better lives. And I can honestly say that preparing for this episode was incredibly helpful to me. So even if no one listens to it, I'm grateful for this process and I'm excited to have this conversation, Catherine. Let's uh, start by answering this question. What is your current relationship to the prospect of death?
1: So, I actually feel really calm about it. And when I listened to the podcast you were referencing, which I loved, by the way, we will link that in the show notes, I was surprised that the research he shared said that people generally feel more nervous about it, like when death seems far away. But then, if they're closer to the end of life, they feel more anxiety about it, or they feel less anxiety about it. And I'm like, oh, if I feel calm now, then how I'm going to feel really good when I get really close to death. So I felt good about that because that's not what I would have thought. Um, but I feel calm about it. And I actually, I think part of the reason is I actually see death as a bit of a gradual transition. Like I know that I'm never going to be less close to death than I am right now. And so I just don't let that scare me, I guess. Um, I also think that, I mean, not to get too woo-woo, but I just, I think that there are like glimmers of sort of transcendence when we have these really meaningful experiences in nature or really like beautiful moments of connection in relationship that feel like miniature manifestations of sort of the unity and the fact that we all belong to like one greater source energy. And I just like I believe in in the return to that after death. And so I think that also feels hopeful. And I think it helps me um, feel like the work of becoming more okay with death is actually the work of learning how to live more in the present so that we can have more of those sort of experiences of the many manifestations of being part of a greater whole. Because I think when we feel like we're part of a greater whole – it doesn't feel so fleeting or so scary. So that's sort of how I feel about the prospect of death for myself overall. That said, I do feel really overwhelmed if I think about me dying like soon, especially while I have young children, especially with Sydney's unique needs. I think it would just be really, really hard on Nathan and on the girls. And I think about, you know, what the rest of their childhood would look like. And I've learned so much now about trauma and i I think losing a parent early can just be really hard on kids. And so I do definitely have that concern. But my actual, my actual relationship with thinking about the idea of death feels pretty calm.
0: I, I'm just going to go straight into my answer because it's so connected to everything you just said. I'm like just underlining Perfect. what you're saying. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Like I feel like I have gotten also gotten to a place of accepting the inevitability of death and not fearing it like really seeing it as part of like the cycle of life that we see all around us all the time in the seasons in the trees in the in the way leaves turn into compost and that grows new life like yes. it just feels like it's just part of what it is and of course, I don't want to invite it. I don't want to invite death into my life, but I don't feel like I'm afraid of my own death at this point. Uh, kudos to you for coming to that place. I think sooner, like you're about 10 years younger than I am, and I don't know that I was in the same place 10 years ago, but I feel like now at 44, I am don't fear it for myself. I definitely, like you were saying, like I fear it for my children and the impact that it would have on their lives, but that somehow feels separate from my own personal relationship with it. And I think my own personal relationship with it comes from feeling so fortunate to have been able to live the life that I've had. I like I feel like every additional year is like a mm. bonus at this point. Like, it's kind of how I felt when uh, Henry was 13 days late when he was due. And every day I was like, oh, now I can get that other project done that I didn't think I was going to be able to get done. Um, And I was making, like, black and white mobiles, like, 13 days after he was due. It was hilarious. I think I have more fear about what I would call dying while living which is what I've seen my grandparents go through. Like my grandmother just passed away in her 90s and her quality of life was very diminished at the end Mm. of her life. And I think that I feel afraid of having my last years on earth feel like a shadow of my former life. Like I don't want those to be the years like that I sort of like go out on. Um, But in those situations, like I would honestly – Um, be open to exploring euthanasia which then like because I'm open to that then it gets me back into like a solid place with um, having a good relationship with death
1: yeah that's really interesting there is a ton of overlap and I think like I love the feeling that you have of like gratitude for the things you've been able to accomplish so far that's really beautiful
0: now for our next question if you could only accomplish one more thing before you die what would it be
1: Well, this is like super cliche, but I love traveling with my family and I always hunger for more of that. And so I think I went back and forth with this question on like, is this like I have one month to live? What would I do? Or is this like there's another good project in me, but then I don't want that to take away from time with my family. So I just felt like if I had one month to live, I would want to just spend time with the people that matter the most to me and I feel like when I'm not also having to work or fold laundry or do other things that gets really amplified which is what I feel like traveling does for us and so I would just I would just love the idea of like going somewhere we've never been and just like being there together with my girls if that was the last, like that, that feels like so overwhelming to think about because I would just savor that so much. But yeah, I think that that's kind of what came to mind when I thought about this is just wanting to spend time with my, my people.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you would do that in like a travel context. Cause I feel like traveling really does like get you out of the, the day-to-day grind and like puts you into this place to have this perspective of like seeing your life from a new angle, which I think is really helpful. Um, what about you, Sarah? What
1: If you could only accomplish one more thing before you die, what would it be?
0: I don't feel like I have any unlived parts of my life, but I don't feel prepared from a more pre- logistical perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even have a will. And I remember the first time that Matt and I left the boys, we were invited to a wedding in Puerto Rico, and my mom came to Austin. To, my aunt came to watch the kids and I was like I cannot believe we are doing this without having a will in place that includes like guardianship guidance. So we still don't have that. That was like years ago and we still don't have that. And you know Matt doesn't even know like all of the accounts that we have and what our passwords are. And then I also like want my children to have and and for Matt to have Touchstone letters from me that they receive, like after I die, so that they have something that they can go back to again and again. And I am I'm very happy to report that since preparing for this episode, I have written all three of those letters, uh, which was not easy to do and wow. involved a lot of tears. But I'm really grateful for this little kick in the pants that is provided by our podcast. Wow,
1: that's like really beautiful. That's like such a special thing to do. I love that. Yeah, the logistical part seems completely overwhelming. That makes sense.
0: And I just posted on Facebook to try to get advice from people who are better at adulting than I am. And my friends are saying that we should all be setting up trusts. And I had no idea. I didn't even know what a trust is. And so um, I'm going to, and it's it's state by state. So I'm going to be, Connecting with a former parent at a school where I was a teacher. She does this for a living in Texas. So now I have a pathway to actually getting this done, which feels good. That's perfect. Okay. Let's say you actually can accomplish one additional thing. What would it be? I'm glad you asked this
1: because I was feeling Very conflicted about my first answer. So, if I had more time and I really was just going to like be able to do a project, I think I would want to work on whatever it is that is this thing that I want to put out into the world that relates to all the stuff I've been learning in the last few years about the process of healing trauma, the process of creating safe enough parenting for kids to feel like they're in a healing context. And also like how to apply that to a school context. Uh, I I feel like I still, I haven't felt the urgency to like try to rush that process, even though I feel like there is a natural unfolding that often happens when I like dive deep on a topic and learn a whole bunch that ends up being like, I want to produce something that benefits others. But I haven't felt the need to like rush it Because I just, I like trust the, I'm like trusting the process is what I'm trying to do. But if I like had, if I could do one, accomplish one more thing, like I would love to be able to, I think it would be really meaningful and maybe really helpful for people in this time to be able to create something that people could learn from or experience together don't know yet what that is or whether I would be doing it right now. But that's that's what I would hope to live long enough to accomplish if I could do one more thing.
0: And I totally support the slow unfolding process, but I'm also like, I wish you would hurry up and do it because I need this. <laughs> because I feel, I feel like I need, I know I can imagine what you're talking about and I feel like I need it desperately. Like I feel like there's so much, incoherence and not incoherence as much as just like so many com- competing forces and like there it's not integrated and it's not cohe- coherent and cohesive and in order to like figure out like how do you heal yourself so that you're parenting in healing ways and like supporting school so that the experience that children are having at home is the experience they're having at school. It's like in my mind it like makes so sense to be coherent and it's not coherent right now and I'm like piecing it together I'm reading different books and listening to podcasts and I'm trying to piece it together but it's not my life path to piece it together I just need I just yeah. need it so I'm like I need I'm glad it's your life path and then I need to purchase what it is that you end up putting out into the world
1: I know it should not it should not be this hard to piece all of this together that's how I have felt this whole time and I also think that like like even in reflecting this morning with the parenting coaches on the last six months, like I have, we have learned so much in the last six months. And so I think in some way, like my learning is not complete enough yet for me to be able to create something. And so it will eventually come. Hopefully I'm not going to die all that soon. Knock on wood.
0: I just feel so fortunate that our paths have crossed because I feel like I get to sort of learn downwind of you and you do a lot of the Like if we're in a little bicycle group, it's like you're pedaling into the wind and then I'm getting to like benefit from you doing all that hard work. So thank you.
1: Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you.
0: Um.
1: So what about you, Sarah? Like if you could do one more thing beyond the logistics and the letters, what would it be?
0: It would be something that I can't actually go out and accomplish right now. So I don't know if this is answer is cheating, but it would just be to experience my children as grown-ups. And I'm really Ooh. hoping that I make it to at least 85, which would mean that my children would be past 50. And you know, I think it's pretty obvious like why someone would pick this as their as their thing, but I think the part that might be a little more unique to me is that I just find myself enjoying my children and motherhood more and more as they age. And I know some people really love the baby stage and the toddler stage and the preschool age, but I can just connect so much more easily and genuinely with my children and really enjoy their company with each year that goes by. So I think that parenting will become increasingly satisfying like the longer that I can stay in a relationship with my children.
1: I love that. I love the sort of awareness that you have around that. And also it would be really interesting to like further unpack sometime like what we hope our relationships with our kids will look like when they're adults and what we're what seeds we're planting now to try to create relationships such that we'll want to still be connected as adults. That's interesting to think about.
0: That's an episode coming in 2023. You just came up with it right now, Katherine. Let's put it into the spreadsheet. That's a good one perfect. For a final question on today's uplifting topic, what do you want your funeral to be like? <sighs> so, this feels really heavy to think about,
1: and I think I feel overwhelmed about this in part because I don't I don't want a traditional funeral, but I feel like I should want a traditional funeral. I don't know if it's selfish to like not want to have a traditional funeral. So, but I don't, I don't want to leave Nathan with like the logistics of trying to figure out something like that because I'm the planner in our family and it seems like it would just be so hard to try to plan something like that while he was also trying to figure out the logistics of like how to continue our actual life and figure out childcare and figure out all the passwords for all the things he doesn't know how to access. And And he'd um, have to go
0: out and get a job.
1: And he'd have to go get a job. Yes, there's so many layers to how overwhelming that would be. Hopefully it's not happening anytime soon. But yeah, so I think like all of that would just feel really overwhelming for him. And I also like I think back to our wedding and I was just talking to somebody about this recently. Like we had we got married in Finland at a courthouse and we didn't have any family or friends there for like our actual wedding. And then we had receptions in both places. And I don't regret that at all. Like it was just very intimate. It was just about us and it felt like the right thing to do. I personally don't feel like I don't love huge events or parties very much. And so I think that's part of this is because I'm like, because I don't, want to be in that space I don't want to be remembered in that way but then I worry if that's like selfish for the people that would like there's cultural value in the rituals that help people transition by being able to have a funeral but I guess it's about me and so I don't know hopefully they find other ways to grieve um but so I think what would feel most honoring to me is for just the people that I love the most to gather for dinner and like share stories about me Mm. um I think there's something really healing about breaking bread together and and just talking about memories and things that we love. And then in terms of my body, I've always known that I want to be cremated. Nathan and I both want to be cremated and put probably into a body of water somewhere. That's like very common in Indian culture. And so I was I actually hadn't thought about this before, but I actually love the idea of there being some kind of like liturgy to go with that so that it could be like a bit of a ritual or a service and I'm envisioning that happening like sometimes significantly after I've passed away. And so I think it could just be like a really honoring opportunity for my kids and Nathan or whoever to like gather and release my ashes. And then like also read some poems or some quotes or different things that I've gathered and put together in a bit of like a service that's maybe like blessing the returning of my body to the earth. And so I'm actually going to start, now that we've had this conversation, I'm excited to start collecting tidbits. Uh, it's going to be a very exciting part of my journal spread to have a funeral section <laughs> um, where I can list out like things that I would feel that would be honoring for me and that point of transition that would hopefully um, feel connecting for the people that are releasing my body. So those
0: are kind of my thoughts about uh, – the end of life service this is like becoming one of my favorite episodes ironically I just like I love your ideas I love the idea of a dinner and sharing stories and then this celebration this ritualistic aspect like later but then like you've prepared it because then that feels like such a moment of connect to me if I were at that experience it would feel like such a moment of connection and I feel like uh, this might be the first time I like start to cry on an episode but I feel like after you die it's like so hard for the people who love you to feel points of connection with you like mm. they'll they'll have like a memory and like that will feel like a, a point of connection but like like a living breathing point of connection like they don't get those anymore but like to attend something that was planned by you with words that were chosen by you when you were alive, like that seems like such a gift. Um, And I would be bawling through the whole thing. Uh, But I I love those. I love those ideas.
1: (laughs) I love that. And I wrote the liturgy for our blessing of our marriage service. And so there's something about, because it was like a Hindu Christian service, and there's something about that that just feels like Whole circle to me, you know, that could be really beautiful.
0: Oh, you're giving me the idea. Okay, so I'm gonna go into my answer. When like you're giving me the idea, so yes, I'm gonna whisper so okay. Matt doesn't hear this. But like for our wedding ceremony, I ha- I asked all of our friends and family to donate scraps of fabric that were meaningful to them, and then I quilted mm-hmm. it into a big quilt, and then we wrote our marriage ceremony as well, and we had. Uh, we had our friends and our friends and families wrap us in that quilt to, like, metaphorically oh. represent their love and their support. And I'm like, what if I made a secret quilt that then was like given to Matt after I died, and it had like all of our like important fabrics, and then he had that like to be cozy with. Well, and I need to do it for my children. Oh. Okay, so I'm adding that. I'm adding that to the list. That's um, beautiful. And I was ha- I was having like the same, the same reactions, which is like, who is a funeral for? Like it feels kind of weird to be like, "Oh, you should do the funeral the way I want the funeral to go, because I'm like, I won't be there for it." And so like the people grieving me are really the ones who should be grieving me in a way that's meaningful to them. And yet at the same time, I'm like, "There's no way in heck that like Matt wants to be planning or my mom wants to be planning my funeral like when they're grieving my loss and so i had this idea of like okay i i should put together a little bit of guidance and then so in my letter to matt i basically said like first and foremost you need to find my most organized friend and delegate this to them immediately like they need to take on planning my funeral like you are not planning my funeral so whoever is my most organized friend at that point in my life, like this is going to fall on them. And the advice mm-hmm. to them is basically like, it doesn't have to happen fast. Like, in, like if you need to wait for the be- weather to be nicer or you want to give people time, like if people do want to fly in, because my friends and family are pretty scattered. So I'm like, if you want to like plan it with more advanced notice, like it doesn't have to come fast after my death. But I want it to basically feel, I'm like the opposite of you, even though I do love your dinner idea. I'm like, I do want it to be like a big party and I want it to be like a wedding reception. And I was like, I want you to find like affordable but delicious food, like think like a taco truck and like I want there to be like cake and I want there to be music. And I was like, you can just use the playlist from my my birthday party, my dance birthday party. <laughs> And, and I was like, and you can use my uh, holiday card list to figure out who to invite to the funeral. So I just gave like some logistics and I just because I really do want it to feel more like a celebration of life. And then mm-hmm. I did go ahead and write out a paragraph um, for the people who attend. It was a little longer than a paragraph, but I wrote it out for the people who attend just to like again like have that help them have that point of connection to me that feels more living and breathing even though I'm already dead and it's just one generic letter for everybody but just saying, like kind of like a closing message and then in terms of my actual body I'm the same as you I want to be cremated but before I get cremated I actually want like every one of my organs that can be like harvested such a gross word when we're talking about our bodies but like harvested and like I want all my organs to help other people like even my eyeballs and like what whatever can help another person before it gets burned like please take it I don't need it anymore mm-hmm. and then I really would like for Henry and Tate and Matt to take a road trip together so that they have this period of grieving like together because like I'm imagining I'm gonna die like when I'm older and like the boys are like living like apart from each other. So I want this to like kind of, maybe I've watched too many movies, but like I would love for them to come back together and to take this road trip together. And it would be a road trip up the coast of California. And I kind of highlighted like a place in San Diego where I grew up, um, but then they, we've mm-hmm. also gone back to spend um, time together and it would be the ocean there. And then I highlighted another spot where I have memories of the boys boogie boarding down the sand dunes. And then another spot, Stinson Beach farther up the coast. So I just like mapped it out for them and just would love for them to scatter my ashes. And I actually did go ahead and And find the urn that I'm going to order as soon as we are settled down again. I'm going to order two urns. Because they are so ugly and gaudy. Like it takes time to find a good one. So I'm going to order two of these beautiful, beautiful, they're shaped like rocks, like river stones. And they're made out of wood. And you can engrave a message on the bottom. So I'm going to order two of these so that my body gets divided into two and then one goes to Henry and one goes to Tate and then they can scatter my ashes and then they can save this like heirloom with this like message on the bottom but I'm also saying in all of this like in my letter to them like this is really for you not me so if you don't want to go on the road trip like don't go on the road trip And, and just making sure they're really clear about like I'm not really trying to dictate how they grieve or what they do I'm just trying to do it so that they feel more supported and don't feel like they have to figure out everything themselves. And I know it sounds like just pretty crazy like talking having all these details already but like it actually gave me just such a huge sense of relief to feel like my family will be a little more taken care of in case I do dr- die prematurely.
1: Yeah, I think mean, I think that makes sense. I think like when I think about Nathan trying to coordinate all of this kind of stuff in the midst of my grief, it just feels impossible. And so I love that you're like, I feel like this is a gift to them to be able to think through some of this and take care of some of the details in advance. And I, I love my small dinner party idea. I also think your celebration sounds amazing. And the idea of your family, like going on a road trip to, to spread your ashes in those places that have been so significant also feels really beautiful.
0: Well, that's it for today's topic, listeners. We would love to hear any thoughts that you have um, about any of these issues. I've been so inspired just hearing your ideas, Catherine. And I generally feel like a sense of peace having had this conversation. So now it's time for our tips and tricks. What do you want to share, Catherine?
1: I just have an Advent book recommendation. I just got, and I'm reading this year, the book Honest Advent. I know it's going to be a little bit like in the middle of Advent by the time people hear this podcast, but it's by Scott Erickson. And I've just really, I've been like really exploring ideas around like feminine embodiment and like what it means to be a woman that lives in our bodies and what like feminine energy in the world is and means. And this book just takes a much more, I think, feminine approach to thinking about Advent as the season of anticipation and messiness and fear and, you know, like all the things that go into like pregnancy and anticipation and waiting. And so I found it um, different than a lot of Advent books and I am really enjoying
0: it. So I wanted to share it with our listeners. That sounds really good. What about you, Sarah? What's your tip or trick? Y'all probably know this already, but Target has really good – craft kits right now so I was Mm. planning and hopefully it's not just an Australia thing I think it's pretty international but I was planning for our Christmas countdown and I just needed like a I needed a lot of small but fun things that the boys would look forward to doing every day so we bought a DIY eraser kit like you make your own erasers like how cool is that make your own pom-pom creatures make your own hot chocolate bombs Paint rocks, like it's just I couldn't stop myself from like filling the cart with these really cool kits. And the boys have loved them. Like Henry literally like jumped up and down and like waved his arms like, Oh, these look so cool. So it's been a lot of fun.
1: Oh, I am gonna have to hit that up and get some of those things for our
0: 30 hours of airplane travel.
1: Thanks yes.
0: for sharing. Now let's close out our episode with facing forward. Catherine, how did you do on your intentions from the past two weeks and what new intentions do you want to set for yourself?
1: I have been working on the trip planning that's still just like moving along. I have been working also on the mini retreat. I decided I needed to break it up into sections and I started that this past weekend and it was wonderful because I bought my 2023 planner and I'm so excited about it and I've started like setting that up and reflecting on the last year and I just... I love this time of year and I love that whole process. And then I was going to learn more about heart math and I did learn more about that and I'm reporting back that it's really interesting to learn about heart rate variability and practices for bringing your heart rate heart rate and emotional state into more coherence. I think it I mean I think it it maps with a lot of stuff I've learned over the years about meditation and so I don't know that it's really that different, but we can put the link in there in case anyone's interested in learning more about that. And then in the next two weeks, I'm doing, I'm already currently doing a bit of a between Thanksgiving and our trip cleanse. So I'm going to focus on sort of like healthy eating because this time of year, it's just hard to do that. And then I have this long to-do list. I think it's, it's, it's down to like 18 items of things to do before I go to India between celebrating Christmas with, different families and friends logistics of getting ready for a trip planning activities while we're there so I'm going to get through that list of stuff and then I'm going to keep working on my 2023 planner very excited about which planner did you buy so I have decided I'm going with a bullet journal the, pl- the planner that I used last year they which I actually really liked they decided like they're not printing them they're only having digital ones this year because of like supply chain issues and printing costs I'm just like oh that's so sad but I liked a lot of the content from that and I think some of the stuff from the journal I had the planner I'd used for like four years before that one I liked and I missed and so I just decided I'm gonna create my own and so hopefully I don't regret that but it's been fun to get started on What about you, Sarah? How did you do on your intentions from the past two weeks, and what new intentions do you want to set for yourself for the next two weeks?
0: I'm over here adding more things to my to-do list as I hear you go through your (laughs) to-do list. In the past two weeks, I wanted to take care of logistical things like waxing and haircuts and all that is getting done, and then I wanted to enjoy our fast travel up the Australian coast, which happened as well. In the next two weeks, I just want to enjoy our Christmas countdown activities each day. I want to really take advantage of this time while the boys are in school for more work and where I'm not having to work in the middle of the night and uh, exercise. Mm -hmm. And I want to get back into a healthier eating routine and just eating more mindfully. And I want to maybe get our will done or at least have a plan for that. I want to get my personal email account under control. I bankrupted, just deleted 13,000 messages out of my personal email account. And now I'm going to go through and systematically, like as new emails come in, I'm going to unsubscribe from things and then not use that email account when I have to buy things or do things. And then I want to finalize my 2023 intentions. I'm really losing sight of. The time of year because it's basically summer like summer is coming here and so my oh, rhythms are yeah. off and i'm just like so content i'm like i how can i have an attention for next year like because my life is so good i don't want to change anything so it's been a weird relationship with that but and i also want to clean up I have like a place where I've been switching more back to digital. I was doing paper planners for a while, but now I'm switching back to digital. And so I have a a thing on my phone that I use like when I get a book idea or a movie idea. And I want to make sure that that list is like not so messy because right now I'll be listening to a podcast and I'll hear a quote and I just like type the quote in there. And then it's next to the list of like things I have to buy at the grocery store. So I want to really clean that up and make that more functional next year sounds great. Well, that's all for this episode of So Connected. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com, or you can find me, Sarah, on my blog at feedingthesoil.com. You can find us on Instagram at soconnectedpodcast. Podcast, and if you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful for
1: your review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. See you in two weeks, wishing you joy, purpose, and community between now and